The following episode of Annals on Call is brought to you by Annals of Internal Medicine. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and participants during this episode are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views of the American College of Physicians, the editors of Annals of Internal Medicine, or the institutions that the speakers are affiliated with unless so identified. All relevant financial relationships have been mitigated. Information contained herein should never be used as a substitute for clinical judgment. For more episodes, links to CME and MOC, or to view disclosures, visit go.annals.org slash on-call. By the advent of the 21st Century Cures Act, which is, of course, as you all know, dumping data to patients immediately. Welcome to Annals on Call, a podcast based upon articles from the Annals of Internal Medicine in which we discuss the implications of the article for you, the listener. This is Dr. Bob Centaur. I'm Professor Emeritus at the University of Alabama at Birmingham and former chair of the Board of Regents for the American College of Physicians. This episode of Annals on Call features an article titled the complete blood count, increasing its precision and impact. This article appeared in the January 2023 edition of the Annals of Internal Medicine. Joining us are Dr. Marshall Lichtman, who's a professor emeritus in hematology oncology from the University of Rochester. Among many leadership roles, he once served as the chief of the hematology division at that institution. Also, uh, Richard Burak is a professor of pathology and laboratory medicine and vice chair for clinical operations at the University of Rochester. We hope that you enjoy and learn much from this podcast. Marshall and Richard, thank you so much for uh, joining the podcast. I was really fascinated by your, your article on the complete blood count and how to improve its precision and impact because. It seems like we get so much information and I'm only usually focused on several parts of it. So perhaps you could talk about the rationale for this. What's wrong with the current reporting of the CBC? What's redundant? What's useless? And what's low impact? And what stimulated you to think about looking at different ways to present the data? Exhaustion. You know, we're all buried in uh, whatever EMR we are in for hours a day. And uh, frankly, there are so many points in time where one line blurs into another and you're running your finger across a screen to try to make sure that you're really on the MCV, that there simply needs to be to get through our days and not be looking at things at midnight at home at charts clear things out, get rid of some clutter. We were clearly motivated by the advent of the 21st Century Cures Act, which is, of course, as you all know, dumping data to patients immediately. And the number of my colleagues who tell me that they're getting questions, uh, what about my MCHC, doc? Those are frequent questions, and so many are having to tell their patients, just don't think about it. So those are the two motivations, clean up the clutter and and help patients not be worried. Marshall, do you have anything uh, else? Yeah, you want to I, add I to think that? Richard hit the most central issues in terms of why we did it, but 
his point is that there's a reasonable frequency, maybe 15% of sort of out of field results on minor uh, variables that uh, get patients exercised and they don't understand it and they worry about the fact that they're not within the 95% confidence limits of the MCH, for example, when the other variables are uh, don't suggest any problem. But let's just look at the variables themselves. To have the percent of each leukocyte type cited when you have the absolute leukocyte counts is of absolutely no value. So nobody could argue with deleting those five variables from the CBC because they add nothing to the absolute counts. In fact, they can be very misleading because if you have neutropenia, you may have an 80% lymphocyte count with a perfectly normal absolute value of lymphocyte. So physicians should be trained to use the absolute values, except in uh, one exception, which we'll talk about later. And the other variable that makes no sense is the white count if you have the absolute leukocyte counts. Because the white count is not a physiologic function. It's not uh, an actionable function. Uh, what's actionable or what's physiological is the presence of neutropenia or neutrophilia, eosinophilia, eosinopenia, and so forth. So those are uh, six variables, the 5% of leukocytes and the one a total white cell count that is uh, useless in the current CBC. That in itself would take the variables down from 19 to 13 without any loss of information. So I, I'm going to have to disagree with something that my esteemed colleague has said. Marshall said that no one could argue with <laughs> those. And that's clearly not true because no. it is being argued with. Um, I could have said no sensible person. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the, the, there's a culture of people looking at a percent neutrophils and having, especially in the surgical fields and in some of our hospitalist uh, practices, a, a sense that that was more valuable than knowing your absolute neutrophil count or following any trends in the neutrophil count. And of course, there's a vast literature out there of uh, correlative retrospective studies on neutrophil percents or neutrophil to lymphocyte ratios and how those might predict the extent of sepsis or whether or not a, an appendicitis was likely to have perfed. But it's a set of data that's limited to restricted use. And frankly, the ANC works very well. So two of your paragraphs in this in this wonderful article were on why the hemoglobin, the MCV, and the RDW are really important, and why the hematocrit, the RBC, the MCHC, and the MCH really don't help us at all. Could you expand on that just a little bit? Hemoglobin's what is what we need, and it's also quite easily measured. It's reliably measured, and the artifacts that cause problems with hemoglobin measurements are uh, well understood and easily corrected for. They're a hematocrit, that idea that it's a bunch of packed red cells, you know that there's um, not a machine that's doing that in our laboratories. It's actually a calculation based on individual particle counting and sizing, et cetera. And uh, so that makes producing an accurate or sort of meaningful hematocrit complex 
and lots of artifacts that enter into getting a hematocrit. And so why even bother? It actually just slows down the laboratory process. So the hemoglobin is, as I said, a reliable measure. Why move to an MCV as opposed to an MCH? Because the world talks about microcytic and macrocytic anemias. That's how we think about those anemias. The MCHC has a very limited clinical utility. You know, we're all taught to think about it in the, in the setting of potentially hereditary spherocytosis has increased. But the reality is that those patients are going to present differently and you're going to see it on a smear. And what the MCHC is much beloved by laboratories for is because it's a means for the laboratory to detect problems with the specimen. It doesn't actually serve the patient any purpose. So if you bring this to your laboratory directors with, we'd like to get rid of the MCHC, there will be a response that, oh, this is so useful. But the reality is it's really just a means to compare that hemoglobin to hematocrit and ask, is that ratio 0.33? And if it's not, it means there's something wrong with the specimen. So I love that you... That, uh you don't just complain about what's current there, but you actually have a very nice set of three proposals of three CBC options that we might order. And if you could sort of explain the rationale behind those and why I as an internist would want to choose one or the other or the other. Well, so first of all, as an outpatient, frankly, sometimes you really don't have a choice. Many of the instruments will are not capable of producing, or, or even on inpatient services, are not able to produce a five-part differential. So you will be stuck with getting a WBC and nothing else. But of course, uh, a WBC, a platelet count, and 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 uh, uh, red cell parameters, of course. But do you need any more than that? Likely not. If those parameters are within range or close to within range, we can move on with the with the differential diagnosis. An inpatient or a portion in an acute scenario where you really need that ANC, the DIP is available for that, as well as other more complex concerns. Uh, uh, let's look for an eosinophilia, et cetera. And we imagined the CBC Plus as a tool to allow us to optimally clean up the CBC with differential, a place to put all of those emerging parameters or more specific parameters that might be of interest only to the hematologist or when you are very particularly concerned about working up an anemia, a very specific question. So the CBC alone in the outpatient setting or following an inpatient uh, with very specific questions, the CBC diff with acute care, or again, if you need an ANC and a CBC plus, really more likely in a consulting situation. Let me just say that the uh, physician has the opportunity to pick anyone they want. We're not, uh, if, if there's a patient being seen and the signs and symptoms in the office suggest that, let's say they have splenomegaly, for example, or uh, something that suggests there might be a hemologic problem, they're perfectly at liberty to get the CBC plus, which might be relevant to to uh, to, to a patient of that type. So th they have all these options. I will say one thing. I received one complaint by 
a physician I'm guessing is a uh, in my uh, close to my age bracket who complained bitterly that the he used the red he or she used the red count and the MCV in what's known as the Menser index. Bill Menser was a, a, a physician in my a hematologist in my generation, pediatric hematologist, who decided that dividing the MCV by the red count would allow people to differentiate thalassemia minor from iron deficiency. And it's been very popular. It's, it was, it's actually, this is the 50th year anniversary of the Menser index. And he or she was all exercised by the fact that without the red count, he couldn't do this. But if you have the MCV and the RDW, the red cell distribution width and the blood smear, nine times out of 10, you can distinguish the two. And in addition, uh, the Menser index is not diagnostic. You'd have to get uh, measurements of hemoglobin A2, hemoglobin F. And I assume a, a, a pretty soon we'll be looking at uh, thalassemic mutations directly to, to uh, make the distinction. So he or she was quite upset about losing the red cell count for that reason, but it's trivial in the grand scheme of things. So let me let me sum, summarize this. The CBC with white count, uh, it'd be what we do in a routine, probably mostly an outpatient visit, just because we're checking things, want to make sure everything's okay. Exactly. Anybody comes in who might have an infection uh, is seriously ill, we'd probably get the CBC with diff because that includes the differential. And in right. many hospitals now, if you don't, if you order a CBC, you don't get the diff. You have actually have to say that you want the diff. And then the CBC plus, I really love because it should remind everybody that when you have anemia, the first two things you do is you get a reticulocyte count and examine the blood smear to evaluate anemia. And I see way too many internists who are ordering iron and B12 and folate and not thinking, and this would help help the thought process. So that's that's what what has me excited about this. Is would this be hard for the labs to uh, implement? Uh, I think it's straightforward to the labs to to for them to implement. I I have learned here in my own environment that not everything is uh, easy. Change is hard. Um, there's some people who think in hematocrits and they want the hematocrit on there. And there's some people who uh, are fine with thinking in hemoglobins or thinking hemoglobins. I think it's very important that these ranges of hematocrit and hemoglobin lock right to one another. And that actually is not always the case uh, with the way these are formulated. So that if someone is out of out of their reference range, it's the same in both places. And it is going to be hard for some of the laboratory leadership to deal with uh, that their MCHC is not something that should needs to be reported because it plays such a central role in QC in the laboratory. And you're also going to see pushback on this issue of not having a percent neutrophil. But technically, it should be doable. Oh, technically, it's absolutely doable. And the, 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 all of these data are data that sit inside the same instrument. And it really is just a question of whether or not the instrument is programmed in general to drop that data to your electronic medical record system. Uh, the machines are getting all this information all the time. Okay, so I'm an, I'm an enthusiast about this proposal as an internist uh, who works in the hospital and at different times would want each one of these three options 
But I, I assume from what you're telling me that not everybody is as enthusiastic as, as I am. It, 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 what's the spread of uh, uh, reactions that you're getting from your peers? Here in a hospital where we are attempting to do this, the spread of enthusiasm is everybody wants less data in the EMR. That is a universal statement. Show me less stuff. Mm-hmm. The only two pushbacks that I've really gotten, I just mentioned, people who want their hematocrit and people who want their percent neutrophils. They don't care about the percent of anything else. And there's also... I think an anxiety that somehow by eliminating the presentation of some of these data that that patients will be missed, that maybe there's a hereditary spherocytosis out there that they're not going to pick up and uh, might not get referred to hematology. On the other hand, uh, within the hematology group, I see a lot of enthusiasm for fewer referrals. Marshall, do you have any final thoughts? No, I, I think that uh, so far my feedback is marginally in favor of our proposal. And there, as, as Richard has mentioned, there are these specific issues, you know, the Mensa index needs the red count and so forth. But if you look at it objectively, uh, there have been 40 indices developed to separate thalassemia minor from yeah. deficiency. And the red cell distribution width is a pretty good index, actually as is the MCV. So I think people, uh, if they can look at the big picture, will see that uh, at least some elements of our recommendations are really worth implementing. Well, the one thing that I really like in the CBC Plus, you leave out additional orders for less common situations. So if there's a situation where someone really cares about those things, because most of us don't worry about spherocytosis every day, at least internists don't. then you can always ask about that. And by getting a peripheral smear, and to me, that's one of the biggest flaws in the way interns think about this. They rarely ask the pathologist to do a peripheral smear. They assume that all the numbers they get back, which are done by the machine, would not give us the information that peripheral smear. I recently had a patient who came in that we were considering some type of mononucleosis. My uh, resident who's going into hematology oncology took the student down, they looked at the peripheral smear with the pathologist, and saw many, uh, um, many, uh, no, this was, the, no, I'm sorry, this is a B12 situation. Oh, no, in that one, they saw, oh, they saw atypical lymphs in that one, and another one, they saw multinucleated polys. And so, by, by actually having someone look at the peripheral smear, a lot of work be done. The peripheral smear is such a valuable piece of information. I actually have written an essay that I haven't published and for uh, hematology fellows who are not being trained properly to evaluate the blood film, I can understand why they can't be trained properly to do marrow. They should be trained enough so that they look at a marrow and, and understand it. But the blood film being lost by uh, hematology fellows is a tragedy. And I think your final point is a very important one. The physician can get any variable that we've deleted that they want to in a specific case. So that's a very important failsafe for our proposal. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much for writing the article and for joining us on the podcast. Hopefully everyone who's listening is going to think differently about the CBC, and I hope they go back and read your article.
Thank you very much for Thank considering this for the podcast. Now it's time for Bob's Pearls. This very interesting discussion focused on how we can limit the amount of information that we as clinicians receive when we look at a CBC. The authors point out that many of the numbers that are reported to us are not of great help in making clinical decisions. Therefore, uh, it makes sense for us to order the specific type of CBC that will give us the information that we need for that patient. We hope that listening to this podcast and reviewing their article will help you better understand the uh, use and uh, the areas of the CBC that we should pay most attention to. Thank you very much for listening to our podcast. Information contained herein should never be used as a substitute for clinical judgment. For more episodes, links to CME and MOC, or to view disclosures, visit go.annals.org slash on call.